Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Welcome back to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm so excited about our guest today, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about her story. Debbie Reber, founder of Tilt and host of the Tilt Parenting Podcast, is a New York Times bestselling author, coach, and speaker. Her most recent books include Doable, The Girl's Guide to Accomplishing Just About Anything, Chill, Stress-Reducing Techniques for a More Balanced, Peaceful You, and In Their Shoes, Extraordinary Women Describe Their Amazing Careers. Before becoming a writer, Debbie worked in children's television. Originally from the U.S., Debbie and her family moved to Amsterdam, the Netherlands, in 2013. When she's not homeschooling her 12-year-old, twice-exceptional son, Asher, working on tilt or writing books, she's running, traveling, and reading. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I first heard Debbie speak on the Curiosity Forever podcast, and I just knew when I heard her interview that I had to have her on a, as a guest on this podcast. Her passion for educating parents of differently wired kids, a term which I absolutely adore, and we're going to dive into more of that later in the podcast, is so in line with my beliefs as an educator. So it's super exciting to have you here. Awesome. So let's talk about your why. Why did you start Tilt Parenting? Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what Tilt Parenting is. Sure. So Tilt Parenting is a, it's an online community and a podcast that is specifically designed to support parents who are raising what I refer to as differently wired kids. And differently wired just means neurologically atypical which could include anything from ADHD or giftedness or Asperger's or dyslexia, or it's basically aimed at parents who have kids that are moving through the world in a way that isn't considered quote unquote normal or typical. So, and, and it's, it's a way that it's not so obvious. So these are kids who don't, uh, it's not instantly recognizable that there's something going on, but because of the way their brains are wired, certain things, school, social situations, just are a little more challenging. And I created this because I'm raising one of these kids. Um, As you mentioned in the intro, his name's Asher and he's 12 and he has a whole slew of different things going on with him. And we are in such a great space now, but the years that parents really struggle the most when they're going through this is when they're really starting to realize, oh, this is not the journey I thought we were on. Something's going on here that's outside the quote-unquote typical experience, and it's a really lonely place to be. So when your kids are 
six, seven, eight, nine. And so I want Tilt to be a resource for parents who are in that space who are feeling overwhelmed or uh, kind of maybe even living in secrecy about what's going on in their families. And I want them to feel supported, empowered, and actually excited about who their kid is as opposed to feeling like this is just a deficit that's going to make everything hard. And I love that the term that you use as well. It's not a deficit. It's really an opportunity in disguise, right? And I think schools, unfortunately, look at these deficits and they label the kid and the kid becomes this thing that is not, like you said, normal. And kids are made to feel like they don't fit in and what they bring to the world isn't valuable. How can parents who are raising, the, raising differently wired kids use the information about being differently wired and have a discussion with their teachers? Well, I think the reframe is really important. So you're right, especially in school, which is where most kids are spending a lot of the time and where these neurological differences can really cause friction and conflict. And so kids are often getting the message reinforced all the time that there's something wrong with me. I'm doing it wrong. I mean, my son Asher was in schools for the first three years of primary school. And, you know, he identified as the bad kid because he spent a lot of time with the principal or in the hallway and things like that. And I think it's important for parents to, you know, when parents start getting that information, we automatically go into like, fix it mode or, you know, we have to fix this, what's going on, how do I help my child fit into this system? And so I think a bit of a reframe needs to happen to start focusing more on strengths instead of deficits and realizing that we don't, our child might need extra support to go through life, but it doesn't mean that they're broken. It doesn't mean they need to be fixed. It means we need to kind of expand how we how we support and accept and, and meet the needs of kids because it's over 20% of children are differently wired in some way. And so if you think about a class of 25 kids, that's, you know, five kids in your class are go, at least have different things going on who are going to be struggling in some way. So I think we kind of need to take back control a little bit and, and, and really advocate and push for, more inclusion and tolerance and understanding about who our kids are. And I couldn't agree more. Being your, your child's best advocate is the best place that we can be as parents to really help them grow into their strengths and understand that the way that they learn, no matter how it is, is normal for them. Every child has their own unique normal. And there's, I don't believe that there's a, a normal pathway. You know, we see these pictures and these diagrams and doctors and educators give us these milestones where you have to kind of just check off the box, check off this box, and, and then make it to be a very linear pathway. Mm -hmm. And I think for every kid, that's never the case. You know, there may be some, a few kids who are pretty close to linear and, and they learn one thing and then they learn the next and they learn the next. And I think schools kind of box kids into, this is the only way to learn, and if you learn outside this box, there must be something that we have to address and it's a deficit. And like you said, being able to reframe, stepping back and saying, no, it's not a deficit. How can we take this, what is perceived as a deficit in our society today and turn it into an opportunity? Mm -hmm. An opportunity for our kids to be able to grow into the people they're meant to be 
an opportunity for us to really lift up their strengths and let them shine. Yeah, and contribute. I mean, these kids are fascinating. You know, uh, Asher and is like many kids. I get a lot of emails from parents who say, you know, your child reminds me exactly of my son. He's a very kind of quirky and he verbose and you know has a lot of intellectual interest he's a very cool kid and he's that he's that kid that teachers either you know they love because he's so fascinating and at the same time <laughs> can be uber challenging because he requires so much attention but i think if teachers can can get into that space where they really think wow what can we learn from the way this child sees the world or the way this child approaches problems or assignments and there are teachers out there who do that and it's a gift actually to the whole classroom in many ways um, and as you said I think there are certainly some kids who are who do really well in a traditional educational system you know and that's fine and I would say that's absolutely the majority you know we're talking about differently wired kids being about 20% but I think the research shows that many, many, many more kids outside of that really don't thrive in a traditional educational setting. It's just not designed to meet the different needs of learners and the creative ways that kids can be learning. Right, and, and I actually address this a little bit um, on this podcast and in, in my book about how there are eight different ways for all of us to learn, but schools teach and test to two of them. So mm -hmm. the majority of kids, like you're saying, are falling outside of the normal stream and they quickly get labeled and they, they are set on this educational journey that does nothing for their self-confidence. It does nothing to bolster the person that, who they should become. They are just made to feel like this tiny sort of insignificant person. And that's, it breaks my heart because I hear that story so often and when I talk to parents because I'm sure you do you get these emails and you have these conversations and they say oh my gosh yes this is my child I mm -hmm. you know this is what's happening and I, I really love that you're in your community embracing this and parents are finding you and being able to reach out because it can be a place where it's challenging and as parents we're never taught to not compare you know, we're always so quick to look at a person or a situation and jump to a conclusion when we don't know the whole story. So being able to peel back those layers and say, yeah, let's talk about this. And that's where I am. And it's okay to experience these emotions. It's okay for our kids to feel like they're different, but in a good way. Let's, let's lift that back up. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious to know how you view the arts and their importance for kids who are differently wired. Yeah, I mean, I think the arts in general are, are so important because there really are no rules. I mean, I know there are sometimes, you know, with the certain practices of arts, there can be rules, but, um, but in general, it's just the idea of being creative and being able to explore different sides of who you are. I think, really speaks to the strengths of who these kids are who are moving through the world differently they see things differently and they often feel like i don't know if outsiders is the right word but they often feel that other people don't kind of quite see things the way they do um and so i think you know one of the things i do with asher every morning i homeschool him now as i said and uh 
every morning we kind of go through and I share a video or two with him and often it's, you know, the work that this uh, 3D um, engineer sculpture guy has made this incredible thing, that creature that moves on the beach with the wind or, you know, I try to constantly show him ways that people are being creative that are so unexpected and that someone had this idea and it's so out there and they were able to make it happen and they found an audience for that and that idea that your idea can come to fruition you can contribute something to the world no matter how differently you see it so i think it's very powerful for these kids i think that our listeners really could take that little bit of advice too and and the step of just showing our kids the possibilities. Just saying, hey, this person over here is doing this, and it's great because you're over in the Netherlands, I'm here in the, in the States, but we have this world available to us on the internet, and being able to bring that resource into our homes these days, I mean, it's so simple, yet for some parents, it feels really far away because they're not quite wanting to jump into technology, so I, I know that parents are trying to get their kids off the phones and off the internet, but if we can direct their attention to these great resources, whether it's the Guggenheim online or the Louvre or these different artists who are doing things like bridging technology and bridging arts and math and science and bringing them together in a way that it's just awe-inspiring, mm -hmm. I think that every parent could quickly really sort of bring that into their daily life like you do every day in the morning and starting with possibility. Awesome. Yeah, it's so exciting. We were actually just a quick story. We were in the south of France uh, for holiday, and I had read about this abandoned quarry that is turned into a multimedia art installation. And I and I kind of ran it by my husband and son, and I was like, I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but it sounds cool. And we went, and Asher was, he was, he was. He wasn't super enthusiastic. He wasn't dragging his feet, but he was like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know, but let's see. So it was this huge, like, a massive quarry that they were featuring the work of Marc Chagall. And Marc Chagall's work was, had been, was being animated, and it was being projected on the walls throughout this quarry set to music. Well, and it was... The most incredible thing we've ever seen. And we were all just like sitting there like, oh my God. Like, first of all, who thought of this? How, who decided this was a good use of this space? It was just creative on so many levels. And we spent an hour in there just watching. And so experiences like that, I find so exciting again, because I think anytime we can inspire our kids to see that there really are no limits to what they can create or how they can express themselves is exciting to me. Absolutely. And with you being in Europe, we have so many art opportunities available, I feel, far more than we have in the U.S. You know, there's such a rich history of art and culture. And do you feel like that is, has been of a benefit to Asher, being differently wired, living in a, in a country that is just so full of the art? Yeah, I mean, he's certainly been exposed to a lot, which is, you know, and not just artistically, I think just being exposed to different cultures and ways of being, and uh, it's a very international city that we live in, and I think all of those have benefited him greatly because he's been 
exposed to a lot. He's been forced outside of his comfort zone and had to consider different ways of seeing and experiencing the world. So absolutely. And yeah, we take advantage of everything that's here. We don't know how long we're staying. So, um, and because I'm homeschooling him, we can go on little field trips. So we definitely see a lot. What a great opportunity that is. And you yeah, mentioned, you mentioned being, you know, being able to take Asher into these places where he's outside of his comfort zone. And when I listened to your podcast interview, you talked about growth mindset. And I think being outside the box relates to growth mindset. Can you talk about what that is and how parents can instill this value in their kids? Growth mindset is a concept that we learned from Carol Dweck, who's a researcher, and she wrote a book called Mindset. And she identified these two different ways that that our brains are wired. There's a fixed mindset, which is this idea that intelligence is static. You know, we're as smart as we are and we're, we can do what we can do and we can't really move beyond that. And then a growth mindset is this idea that we always have the capability to learn and to continue growing uh, intellectually and bettering ourselves. And so I introduced that concept to Asher a long time ago because I recognized he had a very fixed mindset, which a lot of gifted kids do because things come so easily to them or perfectionists. A lot of perfectionists are fixed mindset. And so when things become hard suddenly or things don't go the way they expect, it can result in a huge emotional meltdown or, or whatever it can be really hard because you take it as a personal failing or something wrong with me. And so we watched a video, um, Carol Dweck did a TED talk and we watched that and he was really intrigued. He's really into brain science. So I try to show him a lot of videos or TED ed talks, which is the, the educational piece for kids uh, of TED. And, um, and then I had found this printout online that lists the traits of someone with a fixed mindset and the traits of someone with a growth mindset. And we went through them one by one and just asked ourselves, like, is this me or is this me? Where do I fall? Am I more fixed or more growth in this aspect? And we went through one by one and he was spot on. He was like, yeah, that one I'm totally growth. And he's like, this one I could use a little work on. So he really saw himself in in those definitions as did i and so we put that up on the wall and it's just something we refer to a lot so i notice when the fixed mindset stuff comes up and typically it's when he's doing math or something that comes up that he that he hasn't mastered and that's really frustrating for him because he you know his intelligence is one of his things he's most proud of and feels you know it helps him feel good it's part of his identity and so when that's being questioned, um, that fixed mindset comes up. And so we kind of remind ourselves, let's look at this a different way. And Carol Dweck's work also, if you read her book, which is fantastic. And there's a lot of implications, not just for parenting, but how teachers can, can they actually see their students with either a fixed or growth mindset. So, or the way you approach your job as an adult or, or your relationship with your partner. So there's a lot of ways that it um, applies to your life. But we just, now that we've identified these, I always look for opportunities to, to bring that up and say, hmm, this is kind of a fixed mindset response. Like, how could you think about this situation differently and reframe it? Like, this might take a while instead of, I can't do this or this is too hard 
or I'm working on getting better. So it's that kind of changing your thinking. Yeah, and like you said at the beginning, it's all about reframing the experience and yeah. uh, taking a step back. I'll have to make sure that I put Carol's book into the show notes and people can have access to finding that book because it really sounds like it is such a great resource. It's on my reading list as of today, and I'm going to grab that because I, I just do think that it's really easy for us as parents and for kids to fall into that fixed mindset where it is just this way and if it doesn't happen this way, there's some upset. So being able to be a little bit more flexible and more fluid when situations arise, that's really such a valuable tool for us to have in our toolkit. Well, and also parents can, you know, I talk to parents who realize through watching her talk or reading the book that they have a fixed mindset about their child. So they might see their child's behavior and go to this dark place of, oh my God, my child is this, this, and this, and he will never be this, or he'll never learn this. So we can look at our own child and think they have these limitations, and that is also a fixed mindset. So if we can look at them with the growth mindset, no, actually, this is something that this person's working on, they're on their own timeline, and they'll get there. So it's very interesting from so many different angles. Absolutely. Uh, one of the other terms that I know from your interview that I listened to was this term of executive functioning. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is and why it's important? Yeah, I will try. So executive functioning is, it's basically the part of your brain that controls kind of planning and problem solving and task initiation. It's, it's kind of like command central in your brain. So all the things that we need to do as, you know, as we get older in high school or college, and then certainly as adults that help us kind of pay our bills on time, um, show up to work on time, figure out how long something is going to take us. All of those pieces are executive functioning. I think there's actually seven components of it, and I don't remember what they are, but a lot of kids who are differently wired have deficits in some of those areas of executive functioning. Kids with ADHD often have a lot of deficits in executive functioning. And so what that looks like could be anything from, you know, a child who's super disorganized, you know, they're, their homework, they can't even bring into school, they don't know where it is, like they have no system, they don't have a way, and they're not naturally wired to kind of keep track of things, or they're really bad at getting started with a task and knowing how to plan something out to reach an end goal. Um, so it's, it's when we first had uh, received Asher's diagnosis, and he has a diagnosis of ADHD and high-functioning autism, which we relate to as Asperger's, and that's what he identifies as. That was something that the woman who assessed him told us is going to be the most important piece for him in, able, in order to be you know, a successful, independent, fulfilled adult was to work on those executive functioning skills, because that's what enables you to make sure that you can live and pay your rent on time. You know, all of those, it all fits into it. So that's actually a big focus in, in my job as his homeschooling teacher. You know, I make sure he's getting the academics that he needs, but I always try to bundle it within the framework of executive functioning. What can he learn about how to plan and organize through this assignment? I think that's a skill that all kids need to have as well. Absolutely. And 
I think, you know, I, I'm thinking back to myself and about how I parent and um, am I teaching my kids these things? And, and my question, my, my answer, I guess, for myself is I'm not sure. I, I'm going to go find these seven components and, and give myself a little assessment because I think that as parents, if we can check in with where we are right now and realize that, okay, gosh, we could do some work in certain areas too to help our kids get better at certain things, that would also serve them really well. There's a book that is by uh, Julie Lithcott Hames, and she, I think she is a, a guidance counselor at Stanford or something. It's called How to Raise an Adult. Mm. Break free of the overparenting trap and prepare your kid for success. And I think it was based on an article she wrote for Atlantic, the Atlantic uh, Monthly, but she was seeing these kids show up at Stanford who were completely ill-equipped to deal with life. Like they didn't know how to do anything. And she's like, what is going on here? So I think that that, to me, I think this is actually a great guidebook as well for parents to start thinking now, you know, how can I make sure my child has the skills, whether that's how to make themselves breakfast or how, you know, it could be as simple as that, but how to kind of do what they need to do. A lot of kids don't even know how to get money out of an ATM machine when they go to college, you know? So all of those are part of executive functioning. And I, something because of who Asher is and how he's wired that I am on it. Cause that to me, I know is a critical piece for him. Yeah. And that's again, some of these things that you're bringing up. I, I think back when I was in college too, and some of the things, gosh, yeah. Did I know how to use the ATM? Because that's not something that I grew up seeing my parents do. So learning those skills, definitely I had to take some time and some effort into making sure I understood what that was. And, and as we grew into adults, definitely there are, you find these things that, gosh, if I would have learned this maybe when I was a kid, I wonder, I wonder what the world would have been like, but we just kind of pick up where we are today and move on and know, you know, if we can be better than we were today, then it's a good day. Mm -hmm. Well, here on the show, as you know, we're all about helping parents raise smarter kids. Mm -hmm. When you think of the word smart, what comes to mind? I think... I don't love that word for some reason. I mean, because I think my knee-jerk reaction is like kids who are like book smart, right? Like, you know, that it's, to, you want to be smart and everyone wants a kid to be smart. But, but so two things. One is I used to work on the show Blue's Clues. And so that was something that Steve ended every episode with saying, you sure are smart. I see under the song. And so, so I also, and when I think of it in that context, it's really someone who's a good helper, who's aware, who's a good person, who is really applying themselves. And I think now the way I think of smart and the way I certainly want to help Asher develop into a smart person is someone who is kind of self-aware in that self-knowledge piece. For me, that is everything. Um, really this kind of instilling a sense of curiosity about who you are, how you see the world, and that desire to be a lifelong learner and kind of continue figuring out how to be the best person you are. So if I could kind of reframe what smart, what people, you know, think of when they think of smart, it would be that idea of self-knowledge and self-awareness, because I think that's the greatest gift we can really give our kids. Absolutely. Letting them know that they're okay to be themselves and for them to, to really manifest who they're meant to be and embrace those gifts that they have. Absolutely. 
and know how to get it, like know how to know how to get what they need because they understand their strengths and they understand their weaknesses yes. and they, and they know how to advocate for themselves and feel good about themselves. Yeah. So many great skills and, and such a great big definition that you have for smart. And I love that because I do think, like you said, smart sometimes gets a bad rap. You're smart or you're not smart. And so when you immediately almost think of school about what that means, whether it's a good test score, whether it's being a good student. Yeah, and for me too, smart has nothing to do with really how a kid is in school. It's about that potential and reaching that potential and creating something that's never been created before. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Debbie, you have shared so many great pieces of advice and resources for parents. If you were to give them one last piece of advice on raising smarter kids or kids who are differently wired, what would that advice be? Well, I think it's kind of a recap of some of the things we said, but I think respecting who your child is, respect is a huge word in my, uh, in just how I parent Asher and really recognizing and acknowledging who they are as this kind of unique being that's on their own journey. You know, our job as parents is to, to shape them into our likeness or to, you know, to meet our needs. Our job is to guide them. And so I really, that's something I think is so important is to look at our kids, to treat them with respect and really recognize our role is really just to help them step into themselves, feel good about who they are, be equipped to create whatever it is that they want in their life and recognize that the journey is not going to look, most likely is not going to look the way you thought it was going to look for them or for you. And that's okay. So that letting go of peace and, and respecting the journey, I think is, would be my advice. Yeah, and I love that you said step into themselves because there's no greater gift I feel as parents we can give to our child than to use your word to equip them with the skills and the knowledge that they are good enough and they are going to make a difference in the world around them. Yeah, and when they feel that, it's amazing. I mean, when a child really feels seen for who they are, it's an incredible thing, you know, and as kids get become tweens and teens and it's life gets a little more challenging. So if they can kind of enter those years with a really strong sense of self and confidence and belief in who they are, and they know that the adults in their lives see them and are there for them and appreciate who they are, that will go a long way. Right. And I have a 10 and a 13 year old now. So we're in that tween teen stage now. And I can see these changes in development and the different needs they have versus when they were kids. You know, they have that dual personality almost where they still want to be that kid that gets the snuggles at night and, you know, has stories read to them, but they want to have that separate piece of themselves too. So mm -hmm. it, it is, I have to, at the end of the day, really be thankful about the journey that we're on with my kids and um, being able to see this, this future self, a little flicker of who they're meant to be in the future. You know, I, they start emerging and that's such a great sense of, I guess accomplishment is not the right word, but it's just a great sense of knowing that, yeah, they're gonna be fine, you know, and, and where they are today is where they're meant to be for the next steps ahead. Yeah, exactly, well said. 
<laughs> so I want to make sure that my listeners can find you because you've created this beautiful community and the video that you have on your website is absolutely stunning. And you know, when I first watched it, gosh, it was just that, you know, pulling on my heartstrings because I connected so deeply with your message. So I want to make sure my listeners can go watch that and connect with you. What is the best place for them to do that? So the website for Tilt, which is the home of the community, is tiltparenting.com. And the video you're referring to is the, I did have a creed, which is kind of like our, our beliefs about the, what, how parents can be raising these awesome kids. And it applies to all children, not just differently wired children. And so there's a creed and a manifesto on there. And, and then the podcast home as well. So tiltparenting.com, and I always love hearing from people, and people can email me at debbie at tiltparenting.com and let me know what you think or if you have ideas for who you want to hear on the podcast or anything else you want to share. We're all ears. Excellent. And I will make sure I put all those resources, all your contact information in our show notes so everyone can have access to the amazing community you've created and really the revolution that you've started as far as embracing differently wired kids. And it's not about the deficit, but really embracing, encouraging, and letting those differences shine through. Yeah, great. Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. I just want to thank you again for taking the time to be here today. And I cannot wait for the listeners to hear what you have to say, because I really think that every parent needs to hear it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This was really fun. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share us with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave us a review there and let us know you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more tips on raising smart kids, head to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of my first book, Raising a Superhero, How to Unleash Your Child's Eight Superpowers and Propel Learning Through the Arts. Thanks for allowing me to be your guide on this parenting adventure, and I look forward to catching you next time.